0: Now playing
1: Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. Simon says, hello good people and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. The show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host Sam Hurley and I am joined this week on the special edition by both halves of the We Watch the Thing. I mean we had tofer on recently for Parasite but he's back again anyway. How are you Tof, how are you doing? I'm well sir,
0: always happy to be here.
1: Oh, so glad to see you here, and you brought along your other half, Mister Bedazzled.
0: How are you, Bedazzled? I am so fantastic. You know, I watched Bedazzled the other day. That movie
1: rocks, man. <laughs> <You're the> one. <laughs> I was waiting for you to object to that. I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Good to have you back, Billy. It hasn't been, It's been a while, not since bloody Godzilla King of Shit. Yeah, God Godzilla. Yeah,
0: that was a great movie. Better that than this for sure.
1: Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Holy fucking that's the world's shortest podcast. See ya, bye. <laughs> See ya.
0: Thanks for having me on, Sam. It's been great.
1: <laughs> but yeah, the movie that we are doing, well you can tell by the name of the podcast, we are doing Die Hard with a Vengeance. We basically threw this out to you guys, our dear listeners, to vote on Twitter to pick a movie for us, because uh, obviously, due to reasons we don't really need to discuss on this podcast, not a lot of new films are coming out, and we decided that uh, every month we'll do a throwback to a movie that came out in that month, and the options were Iron Man 2 from 2010, uh, Revenge of the Sith from 2005, Gladiator from 2000, and then Die Hard with Vengeance from 1995, and I was stoked, I was happy, oh, what about you guys? I was keen for any, I think actually
0: any of those options were going to be really fun. But initially, like out of the gate, this is actually what I wanted. Yeah, see, this was the only one of the options that I hadn't seen before. So I was actually pulling for Sith because I was like, oh yeah, that'll be a fun one to, oh, to do questions about. hashtag high ground. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was, I was happy to get this because it forced me to watch yet another Die Hard movie. So I've now seen two of them. Excellent. What did you do with your youth, man? <laughs> I was busy watching rad stuff, like bedazzled.
1: (laughs) Anyway, uh, just looking at the technical information for this film, it came out, obviously, in 1995, as we mentioned. Had a budget of $90 million, Uh, went on to gross $366 million worldwide. Directed by John McTiernan, who did Predator, did Die Hard, Hunt for the Red October, Medicine Man, pass. A last action hero, and then Die Hard with a Vengeance. Quite a good
0: run. I did. We did. We did. Uh, we did. Hunt for Red October two days ago. Just in a. We just did a McTiernan fest.
1: Holy shit! Well, there you go. There's a bit of cross promotion yeah, okay. for your podcast already.
0: Can I do an early controversial opinion? Yes. Hunt for Red October. Best Connery performance ever.
1: <laughs> but The Rock exists, <laughs> man. Fuck
0: Untouchables. <laughs> untouchables is bog average. No, The Rock. I mean, The Rock rocks. <laughs> it but. does. <laughs> but no.
1: Fair enough. I'll have to give it a rewatch. I can't remember ever being that plussed about it. Oh, it's not a great film. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There's a seal of approval from Toph. He's not entirely Die Hard with a Vengeance, though. Oh, yes. Back to, back to the movie. Where was I? <laughs> IMDb have it at 7.6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 52%. Metacritic at 58%. And if you haven't seen this film, you're not planning on rewatching it or any of like that sort of stuff, basically one of us is going hit to hit you with a plot for this film. So who's seen it recently? Who's seen it the most recent? That'd be you, Billy? No,
0: nah, it's got to be Toph, mate. <laughs> i watched i watched it in split viewings i must say i must admit okay all right let me give this a go go billy john john mcclain right he's a he's a rough and tumble new york police cop who's recently been made not a cop anymore for for reasons unknown but he's kind of a dick and everyone hates him and the cops are really really mean to him for some reason and clearly his wife hates him too we don't know why but something about holly she's gone we don't know why Anyway, he he gets a well, no, not him. His boss, his boss gets the a phone call. You're
1: storytelling,
0: <laughs> stunning
1: Billy. We are literally two boss- minutes into the movie. Hey? We're like second for second at the moment. <laughs> his
0: boss gets a phone call. Right, it's this dude called Simon. He wants to play a game called Simon Says, and he wants to play it with McLean. Right now, McLean has to do whatever Simon says, or Simon is going to blow shit up. That's the movie.
1: Yeah, fuck it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you overloaded the first two minutes and then underloaded the like the what the
0: rest. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the back half for people, right? Like...
1: Oh, we've got to spoil the shit out of this. If people haven't seen this, we're definitely going to be spoiling this. There's your little warning. Uh, yeah, obviously on this podcast, what we do is we review a movie, by asking twenty to one wonderful questions about it. We start with ten that can be applied to any film. They move into three personal questions and usually finish on a list of questions which we did this week and we used to give our scores before we did our compliment sandwich which is our first question but we've changed that because we found ourselves basically giving it a compliment sandwich in ways of justifying our scores so we're going to move into it the one that we start on the compliment sandwich which is one thing good one thing bad one thing good about this film and bedazzled since you haven't been on here for a while why don't you why don't you lead us off go on bro
0: Alrighty, righty my first good thing is Willis, man. This must be, like, one of the last performances where Willis was actually trying. Like, those first couple of minutes where he's there and he's, like, soaked in booze and he's just giving it his all, he fucking rocks in this movie, man. And you think about Willis over the last 25 years, and this is not the Willis you think of. So that's my first good thing. My bad thing is the title. And not the, like, when you think about the title on its own, Die Hard with a Vengeance, that's a cool title, I just wish that they didn't have Die Hard in there, because especially once you know that this movie wasn't written as a Die Hard movie, it totally doesn't feel like Die Hard at all to me. So I kind of just wish that that wasn't there. My other good is the premise. I really dig the whole Simon Says thing. It feels like a 90s action premise, and it just really works.
1: Yeah, good point there, Billy. What would you give this as a score out of 10,000 Bombs? All right,
0: I did a little sneaky sneak on you before when I said Bedazzled is better than this. This movie is amazing, man. (laughs) This is an 8,926.
1: Okay, yeah, we can still be free. Billy's gone big. Billy's gone very big. this
0: movie rocked so hard.
1: (laughs) Over to you, Tove. My first compliment is
0: going to be just the opening credits with that music going and then just that hard cut into into the explosion it's just like you know like 45 seconds into this movie and i was just like i am so in on this film yeah it's just it's one of my favorite film openings ever it's like just you know you think of the opening for touch of evil and just make it for an adolescent boy and like (laughs) that's really what it did and holy shit it worked my negative is for me the last 15 minutes of the film there is a significant drop-off in quality from what has come before it. I probably disagree with Billy a bit in in, that it does, for me, feel like a Die Hard film. Some of that's I probably can't just escape the fact that it's the first one I saw, so of course it does. But I think if you look at the transition from, okay, we get Die Hard in a building, Die Hard 2 is Die Hard in an airport, it's still contained, but bigger. And then in Die Hard with a Vengeance, we get Die Hard in a city, so still kind of contained, but bigger again. Once they get out on the ship and then, in fact, even leave the country, I'm like, no, this is stupid. You should have just stayed, probably on Manhattan Island or at least in the five boroughs. So I, th- I don't think the film ends that strongly. But then my next, ah, oh, my next positive thing is that this proved that watching movies is better than homework because I once a question came up in a maths test and it was it was the gallons of water and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and it was one of those ones like, is it. Those tests where you not only got marks for the answer, but in, you know, in showing the steps of how you got there. And I just wrote down the answer and then was like, like, do I do this? And I was just like, no, nah, let's just go with honesty and just wrote down, I've seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I probably didn't say you idiots, but I did just say, I've seen Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, and a score, yeah, this film, this film rocks.
1: 8,398.
0: Ooh.
1: Whole lot of bombs. My first good thing was one of Billy's. Yeah, I mean, it's not the extinction of Bruce Willis as an actor after this film, but it's pretty much an endangered species in terms of good performances from Bruce Willis. You know, like we had Six Sense, we had Unbreakable. That was pretty much like the last hurrah of Bruce Willis you know some people might say looper was a bit of a return to form to which i think that was just fucking ryan johnson directing the shit out of him and actually making an awesome awesome film so yeah i mean seeing bruce willis give a shit seeing bruce willis show up do his job and actually have fun with a role was just awesome it was just refreshing because uh yeah i mean it's just i just miss them basically uh the bad thing it, it, exactly the same as utah as soon as they leave the city things just start going a little bit sideways to the point that it becomes a little bit tedious and you could feel like they were trying to jam more into the end of the script when they really could have had like an awesome showdown in the city at some point and just sort of finished it on a like a quite a climactic moment like that final good thing for me is just seeing the practical action effects in this it, it, it makes you reminiscent of those films from that time where they didn't have green screens completely yeah. surrounding everything. Like, how
0: many cars must they have crashed into
1: things? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like the drive through Central Park and shit like that. Like, there's so many of those scenes that you're like watching and you're like, okay, this is, this is hooked me. This is great. And I just, you just miss that. You miss seeing something that actually occupies a physical space on the screen that makes you actually believe that you're watching something happening as opposed to just seeing green screens, like CGI flying past your face. All that said, man, Billy, you're so strong. I feel like I need to beat you because, holy shit, I love this film. <laughs> Can ju- Yeah, fuck it, 8,999. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> what a film. What an absolute film, which we we'll obviously talk a little bit more about now because we're going to roll through the rest of our questions, first of which is question number two. Billy, what is it?
0: Okay, question number two. What's something you noticed that you don't think other people might have immediately noticed?
1: I will point out, I've put this question in here because you guys actually work in the industry, so I'm going to see what you guys come up with. But uh, yeah, what you got, Tove? So I
0: didn't pick out any kind of industry technical thing at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sets it up and he hits it out of the park.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The thing that struck me the last time I watched this was that Ebonite Shyamalan kind of rips off this film in some way. Like there's a point in this film where a train crashes, Bruce Willis walks away reasonably unharmed, And Sam Jackson is standing off to the side. (laughs) Five years later,
1: Unbreakable. That is brilliant, by the way. That is brilliant. I like that. That's a very good point. Uh, For me, I mean, we'll get past the obvious ones. There's quite a few sort of throwback references to Die Hard, the original film, such as when he's got the sandwich board over him at the start and he's got a gun taped to his back. I thought that was quite a cutesy little throwback to the original Die Hard and how he disposed of Gruber. But... the thing for me is, as a boardman man, we analyze other boarding men, and we sort of see how far along the spectrum they are. And we do find it a little bit disconcerting when how far along the boarding spectrum they are changes from scene to scene to scene. <laughs> and that's what happens in this film, is Bruce's hairline jumps around like no one's business. Almost jumps around like Captain Kangaroo. There you go. Which is another, another thing, obviously, is he mentions Captain Kangaroo in this, which is obviously a bit of a throwback how to Pulp Fiction. Yes. I like that as well. I thought that was quite cute. I thought that's one that most people would have noticed, but yeah, still pretty good. What about you, Billy? Did you guys notice that
0: it's not Christmas time in this movie?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I was like, for a reference for the listeners, I was over an hour in when I messaged Samatov being like, I thought it was summer, not Christmas time. Because <laughs> at one point, a little kid talks about it being Christmas time, and it took me the longest time to realize that he was being metaphorical and that it was not indeed Christmas. So. <laughs> One thing I did notice was that Sam Jackson had straps on his glasses, and I was like, for someone who keeps like going on about how awful the white man is, is there anything whiter than straps to hold your glasses on?
1: <laughs> like, It's it's funny you say that, because he actually based his look on Malcolm X, so right <laughs> okay so there you go i'm wrong again <laughs> I hate to keep breaking your heart like this billy but i will i will back you up on one thing though um at one point uh bruce willis will like walks up on that truck and it's like hey have you guys seen a guy come through here and they're like huh and he's like oh it was a guy of eight reindeer he's a jolly fat man with a beard So there was, there was actually more than one Christmas reference in here, so... Yeah, there's a lot of Christmas
0: references for a movie set in summer. It very much confused me for the first hour.
1: Poor Billy. (laughs) Anywho, what's question number three there, Tove? Question number
0: three. What deep philosophical debate arose you during this film, Billy? I could not stop thinking, what kind of parent is there out there that names one child Hans and the other Simon? I feel like they're very different names... For a pair of siblings, like I don't is I don't think of Simon as like a traditional Gruber name. You know what I mean? I love your brain, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what sticks out to you. Like, well it would be I like it. Have, it would be like imagine if you have two kids, right? And your first kid kid is Wolfgang, you know, a quite normal name, awesome. and then your other kid is like Dwayne or something. It's strange, right? <laughs>
1: yeah okay that's pretty surface level but i'll go for something a little bit more deeper Uh, (laughs) shine on billy (laughs) my one was like right at the start of the film like if i was zeus would i have helped bruce willis he's strolling through the streets with a sandwich board on with one of the most offensive sayings and you know towards black people in the middle of harlem if would you help him that was my question was watching him and thinking would i help him
0: i think they cleared that up really nicely later on though when zeus explains that he wasn't helping like a white man he was stopping a cop from getting killed in harlem he's i think he's an inherently decent human yeah mm.
1: like that being said like he didn't know bruce willis was a cop when he went first went over to help him he thought he was just some random dude on the street who had lost the plot you know mm. oh we've picked a hole in the movie already <laughs> <laughs> still an 8999 what do you got Tove?
0: mine so mine departs from the movie a little bit just watching this film and going like, just how enjoyable 90s Jackson is. Mm. Like, this is, a, this is a year after Pulp Fiction. with it, You know, Jackie Brown's there. Oh. We're a few years removed from Do the Right Thing. Like, I, I forget a lot of the time now just how good Sam Jackson was. And what I was thinking was if in the year this film came out, he wins the Oscar for Pulp Fiction, which I think he should have. Martin Landau won for Edward and fuck that, Sam Jackson should definitely win that. <laughs> if that happens, if it's Oscar winner Samuel L. Jackson, is his 21st century IMDb different than it is, where it's now stunning, where you occasionally, like, you're watching Django or something, and you're like, oh, yeah, Sam Jackson's actually really good because mostly he's just being mm. Nick Fury and all yelling. But if he's Oscar winner Samuel L. Jackson... <laughs> What's wrong with Nick Fury? <laughs> is, it, is it different? <laughs> I've got no issue with five out of yeah, ten movies, Sam. Zeus was originally offered to Lawrence Fishburne who had also turned down the role of Jules in Pulp Fiction (laughs) yeah that would have made a completely different movie
1: imagine how different Lawrence Fishburne's life had been if he'd actually said yes to some of these roles eh? holy shit mentioned Sean Connery before Um, he was originally meant to be um, Morpheus in The Matrix it was going to be Will Smith and uh, Sean Connery and then Sean Connery turned it down because he didn't understand it and then he he got off at Gandalf, and he turned that down because he didn't understand it. So then, when League of that Extraordinary is a Gentlemen much came along, worse
0: film. both of those are significantly worse films with Connery.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's
0: not bringing his hunt for Red October. Heat.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, by the time it got to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he read the script and he was like, "I don't understand any of this. I better do it." And then that was but the I mean, movie that made him quit acting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anywho, that moves us over to our first of our Patreon questions, which are questions that are submitted to us by you guys, our wonderful Patreons at the $5 level. First of which comes courtesy of Dave Baker. Uh, Dave has his own Patreon at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. And on it, he posts a ton of awesome content. And what Dave would like to know, and this is a bit of a tough one given that this film is full of arseholes, but which two characters from this film would you guys want with you at your house party? I
0: feel like this one's actually too easy because the answer for me is just John and Zeus like this they're a cool pair of buddies and i think they'd be pretty fun to hang out with
1: you say that but i feel like john mcclain is like had a curse put on him by a witch when he was a baby because wherever (laughs) he goes he gets himself into some fucking pretty tough situations
0: and he's an arsehole while sober slash hungover true imagine how big a dick he is once he gets a few in him no that's the thing i reckon that he would be one of those nice drunks Ah, he's like bender like i think that he might be Yeah, yeah. I reckon that the reason he always drinks is because he's probably a better person when he's drunk. Like, think about it. We don't see him drunk in this movie. He's an asshole because he doesn't have a beer in his hand. I reckon at a party he'd he'd get it
1: going on. I've got too much in common with him. First I'm bald, now I'm (laughs) a nice guy when I'm drunk. And my wife hates me. What about you, Toph?
0: What do you got? Not even a contest. Charles the bomb guy. He's pretty cool. Yeah, Charles the bomb guy is definitely at my house party, and give feeding off pick one. I'm bringing Connie, one of the cops, because those two together, I just it's one of the, like those couples who just yell at each other, but there's no tension to it. It's just lovable yelling, and then at some point in the night, you're going to go into a room and find those two at it. Definitely, <laughs> you reckon?
1: You reckon Connie would drop to there? Definitely, oh, Charles no. and Connie,
0: it is on. I'm telling you.
1: Honestly again it's like an echo. I I had Connie the blonde policewoman and then Connie's perm. That was the two things that
0: <laughs> I know welcome back to the 90s, right? Oh, fucking
1: <laughs> outstanding. I was like, look at that hair. it's so beautiful. Uh the only the only other one was that I had as a runner up was Jerry, you know, the truck driver who gave him a full <laughs> uh history and rundown on how that jerry's great yeah he is jerry great. is the Gives bomb full rundown on how that pipe was there and also like i don't know about like parties in australia but quite often we have arguments as to who the like 20th president was or the 29th president and yeah. you need a guy there to answer these questions for you <laughs> he knows he's straight away he knows that trivia he tells you who the 22nd president is that was the thing.
0: I want to know what else that Jerry guy knows. Because at first, when he was spouting information about the tunnel, I'm like, okay, this is really weird that he knows everything about this tunnel. But I guess maybe it's his job, so maybe that's it. Then when he starts spouting out about the president, I was like, now this is strange. <laughs> yeah. See, I, yeah, I just totally see this guy like just absolutely crushing the New York Times crossword. Yeah. This guy, I find him actually oddly believable. <laughs>
1: you're right i can imagine him sailing through who wants to be a millionaire and not using any lifelines or anything like that hey eh? just fucking like... <laughs> <laughs> uh moves us over to another patreon question which comes courtesy of julio of the contrarians podcast another awesome podcast that i just i can't get enough of on it julio raged against the rotten tomato machine with his pal alex so they take a film that's universally beloved and they sort of go to argue why it's shit. Or they take one that's pretty shit and sort of go to go and sort of argue why it's awesome. And yeah, recent example of that was street fighter that these two appeared on. That what was an good Absolute
0: fun. pile of hot garbage. Oh, is. come off, come off it. If, <laughs> my
1: goodness. If I've got any notes for you, Topher, it's that uh, you didn't say very much during the section that was supposed to be positive. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs>
0: It was rough.
1: You just focus on Raul Julio. <laughs> You've so spoke volumes. Anywho, anywho, what's Julio's question there, Billy? Julio wants to know
0: what our most controversial opinion about this film is.
1: I mean, we've already mentioned it. Like, John McLean isn't really a hero. In fact, he's just a complete arsehole. Like, he treats Samuel L. Jackson like complete shit in this film. And I mean, aside from the fact he gets him wrapped up in all this other shit and what's happening, there's two scenes that made me go, what are you doing with Samuel L. Jackson? The first of which is when he shoots his way out of the lift and then comes out and Samuel L. Jackson's basically, you know, winded his way down and comes down the bottom and Samuel L. Jackson's like going, oh, what's going on? He's like, oh, there's a lift over there with five dead bodies. Not just that. There's like a lift over there of two dudes who've had their heads exploded and you've just told some civilian to go check it out. And of course Samuel L. Jackson does. He goes and checks out a lift full of exploded bodies. Like who the fuck does that to somebody? That's fair. But that's not the worst one. The worst one is when they get picked up on the boat and then they go to chase down Simon at the end. There's no reason why Zeus needs to come along with John and that helicopter to confront Simon anymore. They could have left him. They could have left him on the side of the street. They could have like, sent him on his merry way. Instead, he endangers him by taking him into effectively a war zone. Yeah,
0: I'm with, I'm with you, Sam. End of the film, not as good. Yeah. and yes, Like, what, why is Sam Jackson on the boat? Just no.
1: Yeah, in the boat and then in the helicopter. It's just like, fuck yeah, let's just keep trying to endanger this poor dude. Meanwhile, what's happened to Samuel L. Jackson's store? Because he left his kids in charge of it and they've gone to school. And, you know, we've seen Samuel L. Jackson stand up to all those gangbangers outside a store. He's going to go back to a smoking corpse of what a store used to be, basically.
0: But he doesn't need the store anymore because he found something more valuable. Friendship. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Next. is next? (laughs) My controversial opinion about this film, which is long held, is that Simon is at minimum the equal of Hans Gruber as a villain. Ooh. Now, Hans Gruber is an icon, <laughs> and rightly so. Like, rightly fucking so. But Jeremy Irons in this film, holy shit. I agree with you 100%, Tov. I, I seriously do. Which brings me to my controversial opinion. This film, pound for pound, is better than Die Hard 1. Called it.
1: Yep. Called yep. it.
0: <laughs> this film is so much more fun like don't get me wrong die hard is a it's a good romp it's it's a bit of fun but this it just takes me right back to 90s action films like the like jeremy irons as simon is so cool the whole simon says premise and the way he's always talking in riddles is just so much fun and just such good action in this movie like you said sam the the special effects that are so practical are so well done So growing up, like as I said, this was the first Die Hard film I saw, and for quite a long time it was my favourite. And then at some point, watching Die Hard again, the original, I was just like, oh, wait a second, this thing's fucking perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, So if Billy, and I don't think this will ever happen, if Billy's movie-watching brain ever switches from adolescent teenage boy to adult, (laughs) who knows, maybe his opinion changes. (laughs) Well, this is, and this maybe is where my problem is, because I, like, growing up, I had a very adult movie-watching brain. Like, growing up, I was mostly into classics or, you know, much older films, and then now that I'm kind of hitting my 30s, I'm like, yeah, man, give me this, like, 90s action crap, like so yeah maybe I'm just hitting that period now and maybe I'll grow out of it again just retro game <laughs> over there <for> Billy. yeah
1: <laughs> what you were about to say that growing up you as a kid you watched a whole bunch of adult films and I was about to say fucking hell man like,
0: <laughs> well that, that too I mean we all loved a little bit of SBS <laughs>
1: uh, yeah I mean I, I love this film but I'm the same as Topher like it, again similar experience growing up thought this was the best die hard film and then watch the original and watch the original and i was like they don't really go anywhere they just stay in the one building and i was like in hindsight it's like fuck that was what impressed you the fact that they go different places but <laughs> come on brain but the yeah no, same no. thing <laughs> happened
0: to me with um raid with raiders of the lost ark and last crusade
1: Yes, yeah, same yeah, like, same as a kid
0: as yeah. a kid i was last crusade and then at some point watched raiders again and was like this is a perfect film yeah almost some some rough stuff with marion but anyway <laughs>
1: Uh, moves us over to another Patreon question, which comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins. Emily recently hosted an episode for us, did an amazing job. Uh, I actually went over and did an episode of hers on the Tastes podcast in which I compared two films, basically went, to, went on a bit of a rant as to why Punisher Warzone is a better film than Deadpool. That was great, by the thank way. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm glad one person enjoyed it. Most of the other feedback I got was... Highly, highly inflammatory. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> but A see, I'm bit sure abusive. that that's just. Yeah. I'm sure that that feedback is par for the course for Emily's show. <laughs>
1: it's true. That's the intention. That's the idea of the. Yeah. Anyway, what would Emily like to know their to Which side character would make for the best spin-off movie? You know, you guys know, like right at the end when the, um, you know, like they're all on when Simon and Katia and they're all on the pier and they're hanging out in their warehouse and then there's like you know two our fallen comrades. And then he sort of hands it over to the second in charge and goes, here you go, you're in command now. I want to see that guy's movie because this movie ends with Hans Gruber and Katia getting shot and killed. But we have no idea what happened to the rest of that German army that was all getting suited up with their weapons and spilling out onto the streets.
0: Yeah, they act like, okay,
1: good, we killed the top
0: guy all sorted and forget the fact there's a fucking small army in the warehouse. Yeah. yeah, that guy takes over very quickly too. You can tell that he's just been sitting there waiting for his chance to stand up. How happy would he be that Simon is dead? Yes,
1: Simon's <laughs> dead. The crazy woman is dead. Now it's just that, like him and his boys, who are obviously all like trained mercenaries, all staunch big German men that are all muscle bound. I don't know how I've gone on tangent. Ah, uh, let me bring it back. Um, you know, they're all, like, they're huge buff dudes. Oh, I'm back on it again. God damn it. But they're, but they're soldiers. They're soldiers. Like, what happened there? I mean, we've got police guys driving in with their, like, little pistols and shit, and these guys are armed with little submachine guns. Fuck, that would have been an awesome film. It would have been a shootout, you know, um, you know, Canadian Mounties would have shown up, you know, bloody New York police, God knows why they're there, showed up. You know, I, I want to see that film. I want to see that mini little war or whatever it would be. <laughs>
0: I'm, oh, I'm see- going with you. Just mentioned her, Sam. Um, Katya. She's like. I mean, we're about. At some point, we're going to get a Black Widow film. Which I mean, it's an MCU film, so let's just assume it's going to be a five out of ten, like kind of <laughs> just fine.
1: A five hundred um, out of ten. Yes, you're right.
0: Yeah, we'll be. Yeah, uh, yeah, prequel with Katya just tearing it up through, let's say, Eastern Europe. I'm there for it. I I don't know that she needs needs to say a single thing in the entire film. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know it would be good because she looked very, very comfortable covered in blood. Oh, into it. Into it in a big (laughs) way. Totally. What about you, Billy?
0: All right, we spoke about him before, but I just, I can't wait to see Jerry in his own movie, man. Like, that would be awesome. Especially if you somehow make it, like, keep it in the Die Hard universe, but like him in the John McClane role. But instead of having to do anything action-based, he just has to answer trivia for 90 minutes. That would be amazing. Like Slumdog Millionaire meets Die Hard. Just Jerry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Just flexing out with his knowledge base. <laughs> yeah.
1: Congrats, Billy. There's you only know, just... one moment per podcast where somebody pitches a film that no one will ever get made. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. That movie would be amazing.
1: <laughs> It'd be something. It'd be something.
0: I'd sign up for the Jerry Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just him popping into all kinds of shenanigans. He just, you know, imagine he just keeps finding himself in these situations, and he doesn't know how, but he just finds himself, you know, needing to somehow help John McClane or help Batman. Like, he just pops in and out of all of these things. That would be amazing.
1: Uh, What's the next question? Yeah.
0: doesn't mean i'm gonna tell stacy <laughs> i'm on your side with jerry billy what are you doing Th- thank you Toph. <laughs>
1: he was all right don't get me wrong yeah i just i can't see that character having too much legs uh, anywho he had two legs sam you saw them True. he walked That's a good point <laughs> no we don't see him walk we saw him driving a truck and then we saw him hanging outside a police station he managed to get from bloody underground to outside the cops wherever they were in the space of 10 seconds man that guy, that guy does know some shit, man. He knows some underground tunnels. He knows about crocodiles in the sewers. Yeah, he knows some shit, eh? <laughs> uh, moves us over to question number seven, which is also a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of Dan of the Netflix and Swill podcast, an awesome podcast that covers everything Netflix-related. Movie reviews, TV reviews, upcoming movies, trailers, etc., etc. It's just awesome. And what he would like to know is where will you have inserted Blink-182s, all the small things, into this film? I think when they
0: steal the cab which is an amazing scene that, you know, that kind of... it's it, You want to say it's a car chase, but there's no car chasing them. They're just driving crazy to get across town. If at that point they had turned on the radio and all the small things had been playing, that would have been incredible. So I'm going... I mean, it's stupid. It's stupid wherever it happens, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. that <answer> <laughs> but that's not an option. So I'm going with that one of the FBI guys has it on a Walkman and it's just kind of bleeding through the headphones in that van because. Like, just constantly. In Die Hard, the FBI just get dunked on. (laughs) Constantly. Die Hard films fucking hate the FBI. So some guy just who should be doing a job with a Walkman, because it's 1995, and this song wouldn't have existed yet. Not yet, yet.
1: not yet. Nope. But anyway, fan edit that (laughs) shit away. (laughs) It'll be fine. I, I reckon a German cover of it, when they're all partying at the end, and then, you know, they're all like, no, 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 no. And they're all happy and all that sort of stuff. And then we get like a, you know, two our fallen comrades. And then it just like um record scratches, goes off sort of thing. And they're all like, yeah, fallen comrades, you know. If we're going to ruin this film, let's ruin it really hard. Let's just completely ruin it, die hard, hard, you know, hard. <laughs> I'm on a tangent again. Anywho, that moves, me over to, that moves us over to question number eight. What is it there, Billy?
0: Question number eight. What specific scene would stop you from channel hopping and get you to only watch this movie? I think I'm the gold heist. Yeah. Just the the editing in that scene, the use of the music, Jeremy Irons in a muscle top, everything <laughs> about that scene. There's no way I, I go past
1: it. I'm up there as well. I would have gone slightly earlier than that. I, I just love that chase through Central Park. Well, again, it's not a chase. I just like Their own high-speed pursuit against themselves to get through Central Park to get to stop that bomb on time. Coupled it with, you know, like him throwing the bomb off the back of the subway and um, it's just, it's one of those scenes that's just like, oh my God, you know, this is a thrill ride. So yeah, I would have gone with that.
0: For me, it's like really early. It's the sandwich board scene, which just, that is such a great scene. The way that's kind of put together, it's really tense and, if you just came on at that moment, you like Samuel L. Jackson would be sitting there going, "Well, hold up. What the hell is going on here?" That's a that's a great scene in a film. Mm. Really the answer is like the first 19. Like, yeah. I talked about how opening <laughs> any is good, point, but yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um what's question number 9 there to? What
0: quote from this film would be the worst to hear straight after you finish having sex, Billy? Say hello to your brother. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, I don't have a brother, but if my wife said that to me, even I would be like, "Whoa, hold up!"
1: I knew something didn't feel right down there. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck! I don't even know how to follow that. Oh, that's brilliant, Billy. That is brilliant. My one was, we can't stand here with our freaking thumbs up our ass, waiting for this thing to blow up. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, Alright, so I've I've, oh, okay, I've I've actually got my short list in front of me for this Question, I haven't even Didn't actually settle on one I might go with Yeah, you know, do
1: all of them, man, do all of them I've got one more if you if it's not in your list as well Okay, the ones, the ones I like Or like for not wanting to hear are
0: How do Catholics do their thing? <laughs> <laughs> I like You think you should slam it around like that?
1: <laughs>
0: and Do you know how to pick this lock?
1: Ooh my my other one was crawl out from that rock you're hiding under and I'll drive this truck up your ass. <laughs> that one is a little bit too close to home for me. That's why I didn't go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Moves us down to question number 10, which is which character from this film would try and bang your missus if they were given half a chance? Well, I
0: think the obvious answer is John, right? Like, he's <laughs> Absolutely. A, he's it's a silly totally grumpy motherfucker with no respect for anybody and he clearly hasn't been laid in a while. So... I don't think he would even give it a second thought. No. This is this is a slam dunk.
1: <laughs> you guys say that, but you never really see him being, like, overtly flirty. Well, then again, there's no other females for him to be overtly flirty with in this film or anything like that. But <laughs> he doesn't strike me as a man whore, if you know what I mean. I'm not saying he's going to be successful. The question oh, yeah, is, will try.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying he's even going to flirt. I think he's going to go straight to want
1: to root. <laughs> like. <laughs> want a root and do you have some aspirin yeah i can imagine it actually <laughs> yeah. my my answer was Katia. she's very uh sexually aggressive <laughs> i reckon yeah she if she got half a chance to be alone with someone shit i mean we've seen what she does to jeremy irons
0: yeah it's like some Xenia <laughs> on a top aggressive sack action going on with her
1: <laughs> exactly anywho that moves us over to our personal questions first up this week is topher what do you got there tofa all right first up who wins in a fight
0: between hans and simon gruber not who is not who's a cooler character, who do you like more? Who wins in a fight between Hans and Simon? Well, I think I need to clarify there. Is it a fist fight? Do they have weapons? Is it a fight of the brains? Like what what what's going on? I'm gonna on leave here? that up to you. I think maybe think think Man with a Golden Gun, Battle of Wits, slash Violence. I'm i I'm gonna say Hans. I think that Hans might have the edge. On a really well-rounded fight, I think if we're talking a fist fight, I don't, I don't think you can go past you, Jeremy Irons in that muscle top. I, I think I think he would take Hans down. But I think if you incorporating brains into it, I think wit. Hans is going to edge him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I've got to agree. Basically, yeah. I mean, like Hans just strikes me as way more of an intellectual, whereas Simon seems like way more of a like a physical presence. Uh, so much so that like in the original Die Hard, there's that scene where Hans walks in with all the you know with all his henchmen and he's the only one that's not holding a gun it's almost like a show of dominance of like i don't even need a gun this is how you know how manipulative and controlling and how intimidating i am sort of thing so yeah i would have gone with him
0: yeah i think hans and his bespoke london suit are going down (laughs) (laughs) um next question though is the repeated needle drop of when johnny comes marching home the greatest in film history
1: I'm just going to go yes because I can't think of any others at the moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to say no way, man, no way. There are a million better needle drops than this.
1: Okay, think name about a thousand.
0: Stuck in st- stuck in the middle with you in Reservoir Dogs. No, I said repeated. Like it's the fact that it keeps coming back in this film. Did you did you read the question? Whoa, 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 whoa. hold up, hold up. Oh, Do you know what movie we're doing? Yeah, okay. It does it does say repeated there. I missed that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> maybe as far as repeater goes, maybe it is. Yeah.
1: What about you, have you have Any other options here? I can't. I can't think of any that spring to mind. I
0: absolutely love the shit out of it. I was humming it this morning, and my other half was like, "Thanks." That's now going to be in my head for three days straight. The problem for me is I don't associate it with badassery. I associate associate it with children's that's rhymes. That's why I, I just think hear it's the so ants awesome. go marching one by one. Same. I had to had to Google it because, like you, I was the ants go marching two by two. And that's, yeah. yeah, I think that's so cool. Do you think that's cool? You tie it in with, like, the whole Simon Says, like, children's games motif. Yeah, it's very, cer- very cerebral. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are we saying, eh? What are we talking All right, about? now I love it. We're talking about a diehard <laughs> film and how cerebral it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, next question is a simple one, because I just feel it has to be spoken about. <laughs> Jeremy Irons, circa 1995 in a muscle top. Are you in or out? I'm deep into I'm that. I'm so in, I'm out the other end. <laughs> I'm all the way in, yes. baby. <laughs> it should, it should yeah, not work. It should be the most ridiculous thing you've seen on a screen. And it's awesome. It looks awesome in comparison because the most ridiculous thing you're seeing on the screen is his hair. <laughs> I feel like that that, that stupid bleached yeah, hair yeah. does not work for Jeremy Irons. And somehow it just makes the muscle top work all the more.
1: Yeah, I'm like you've literally read out my answer. It's like something about that frosted hair and those piercing eyes just kind of hypnotise you into thinking, "Oh my god, look at that man!"
0: <laughs> yeah, how many people can pull off Simon with the choices made in this film? Not, Not many. many. Not many. Do you guys
1: do you guys reckon it's like a throwback to the original Die Hard? You know how Bruce Willis is running around in the like sloppy, horrible white wife beater, and then this one it's kind of a grey, almost sleek designer number. You know, like symbolizing the two sides of a coin but one of them's a little bit more refined it's like if mclean was in a boy band that's simon gruber (laughs) (laughs) there we go i want to replace that with my deep philosophical debate or replace my deep philosophical debate with that that's brilliant well we've established it's a very cerebral film (laughs) exactly (laughs) i'll touch on that in a second in fact i'll get into my cerebral question first I've put down a mystery question here for you guys because I wanted to see if you guys can answer it. And Topher, I know you can. We've, we've, I've got the feeling we can. You've already proudly blagged about how you can. But I, I So I'm going to rule you out. Billy, how do you get exactly four gallons <laughs> into a five-gallon drum using a five and a three? You've got um, five minutes, and if you haven't done it by the end of five minutes, I'm going to explode the bomb that Topher put under your house this morning.
0: I did notice in this okay. post recent watch that the way that scene is edited... It's really not explained. It doesn't how they explain do it. it. No, it's not.
1: I think okay,
0: hold up. And that leaves you with two. No. You you fill up. <laughs> it's really simple. I give up. <laughs> We're wanting to get to 4 gallons, correct? So you fill up the three-gallon drum, you pour it into the five-gallon drum, you fill up the three-gallon drum again, you pour it into the five-gallon drum until it's full, leaving you with one gallon in the three-gallon drum. With one liter. You empty the five-gallon drum, you pour the one-gallon in there, you refill
1: the three-gallon, pour it into the five, and you've got four.
0: Yep. That makes complete and utter
1: sense. Okay, my one for you then, Toph. If Billy has seven wives, and those seven wives have seven cats, and those seven cats have seven kittens, how many are missing mittens? probably all of them why would any of (laughs) them have (laughs) mittens there you go right answer correct move on (laughs) well done tof you nailed it uh cats don't wear mittens it's a fucking travesty and a load of bullshit um makes me over to my next question obviously me and Toaf have a lot of love for the original film and these, well, two of these guys popped up in the second one, I think. But anyway, uh, I want to know from you guys, who do you reckon this movie was missing the most? Thornburg, Sergeant Powell, or Argyle?
0: Powell, man. Powell is, like, McLean's, like... Soulmate. The, yeah, they, they just seem to go together to me. Oh, I'm I'm definitely Thornburg. Um, I think... Yeah. He, he fled to the East Coast to escape Holly, who he's terrified of. But Simon could have fed him misinformation to, like, help with the plot and the panic and everything, I think Thornburg really can work in this film.
1: If I wouldn't have Argyle. I would have loved it if Argyle was the cab driver that they stole the taxi off. (laughs) (laughs) Because Argyle has so much shit happen to him, it just would make complete sense. (laughs) Anywho, that moves us over to uh, Billy for his questions. What do you got there, Billy?
0: Alrighty. So, in the movie, Simon makes John McClane walk around Harlem wearing something very rude on a sandwich board. Mm. What would be the worst thing to be forced to wear on a sandwich board around new zealand or australia
1: i reckon top is probably going to have something similar for me for new zealand which is just basically wandering around with a sign that says the all blacks are a bunch of pussies
0: <laughs> yeah i had anything pro wallabies on a day we're playing the all blacks <laughs> not gonna end well my my aussie one was
1: steve Irwin was overrated Ooh.
0: i mean the other thing around i mean around australia if you had don bradman was overrated that's not going to go down very well Hello to all our (laughs) North American listeners who don't know what cricket is.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. What do you got next, Billy?
0: All right. My next question, and I think we kind of touched on this before. Does this really feel like a diehard movie to you? I guess maybe it's for me because I've only seen the first one and now jumping to this. And I don't know what happened in between, but this seems like almost an entirely different character to me, this John McClain. Does this feel like it fits into you guys? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, I totally stepped on this earlier in the podcast. For me, you can fill in the blanks of how John got to where he is at the beginning of this film. And I find it totally believable that this is where John is at right now. I also, like I said, I like the the building of the raising of the scale of of these films from building to airport to city.
1: I'm probably 80-20, like 80% of me feels like this is a diehard movie and 20% makes me feel like, like, as we talked about before, how they sort of go off the rails a bit with the ending. And that's the problem for me is like that literally that last 20% where they're on a boat and then they're north of the border on that sort of stuff. I was like, this isn't a diehard movie. And unfortunately, that was what set up the preposterousness that came in Diehard 4 and 5. It's, yeah. You know, when they go from being this quite grounded character that gets hurt he gets injured and he, he carries that hurt and injury throughout the rest of the film you know like he does in this he, to a certain extent but like certainly in the original you know he injures his feet and then we see him slumping around for the rest of the movie it sort of goes on and starts turning into he's a bulletproof superhero to the point that he's ramping cars off <laughs> up into fucking helicopters Which is and is
0: incredible like that. just quietly <laughs>
1: You know, like you can you can sort of swallow it a little bit like in the first one when he jumps off the side of the um the building with the bloody fire hose. You're like, Okay, yeah, fine, that's a little bit preposterous, but we'll, we'll give it to him sort of thing. But then like towards like again with the end of this shooting down helicopters and all that sort of shit, it starts to get just a little bit more like a little bit too ridiculous. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think like
0: for a film that was written initially not as a diehard film, I think it's mm. I think it's like incredible how well it does work that the just the producers or the studio, whoever it was, who saw the script and was like, if we change this guy's name to John McClane, this is Die Hard 3. Because apparently, apparently apparently, the first hour of the script, like, the only thing that is changed is names. It is just the script that was originally Simon Says. That's- and they were just like, yeah, I'd believe cool, we'll just make it John McClane. I was reading, too, that apparently the script that was originally going to be Die Hard 3, which, again, was not originally a Die It was another script that then they'd purchased for Die Hard 3. It was set on a cruise ship, and that eventually ended up becoming Speed Two. Oh, <laughs> like I was reading about the life cycle of this script, it was it was something original, and then they bought it for Die Hard Three, and then Bruce Willis was like, "No, that's too similar to some other Under movie. Siege," and then it eventually got sold to yes, yes Under Siege, and then it eventually became Speed Two, <laughs> like one of the great passes crazy. of all time when Keanu was just like, "Nope." <laughs>
1: yeah fucking unbelievable
0: (laughs) my final question what is the best willis jackson collaboration because i started thinking last night there are quite a few actually i didn't even realize sam jackson was in this movie till i started watching it but what do you think is their best collaboration
1: like anyone that knows me knows that Pulp fiction's in my top five films of all time so i can't really ignore that you know i've got a lot of love for unbreakable as well but yeah it's got to be pulp it's got to be pulp fiction i've seen it a million times and every time i watch it on Enjoy it just as much as I you know, the previous time. So yeah, yeah. So I like Pulp Fiction
0: was what I first thought of, but then I actually decided to rule it out because they don't share a scene in the movie. So it's
1: true, Billy. Really, yeah, I suspected
0: true, yeah. that in the in the spirit of the question, as I interpreted it, uh, it's this hands down. This film, right? For me, it's got to be Unbreakable. Man, I just think they are so strong in that film, and you know, that was before. Shyamalan really got up his own ass with the whole twisty type thing and I think the twists that happen in that film feel much more organic than they do in later Shyamalan films it's got to be that one
1: yeah it's like it's a very good film and to follow up um Sixth Sense or something like that that's like maybe not as good but it's like it's still very good high quality as well and you're right like he did he started getting up his own ass and that's what people expected from him because the village needed one in there signs needed one in there and then by the time we got to bloody was it lady yep. in the water holy shit oh
0: man yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> but m Night stole it from this movie yep. anyway true <laughs> good point yeah cool and that takes us down to the end which is a listener question that we threw out there to you guys our dear listeners to answer for us got a ton of answers but before we get into that we're going to give our own answers so we're not influenced by the by your guys uh so yeah the question this week was what is our favorite film that also happens to be the third movie in a trilogy or franchise billy why don't you start us off what do you got
0: i mean mine felt really easy and i feel like you guys are gonna make fun of me and laugh at me and stuff but chasing amy it's mm. the third movie in the Viewers universe, and it's one of my all-time favorite films. I couldn't go past it. I know it, it doesn't feel like a franchise film, so I'm sure that someone out there is going to be like, that doesn't count. Do Even out there. But for you me, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for me, that that was my only answer, Chasing Amy. Mm, there's a film that's dating well. <laughs> it, on, I think it is. <laughs> Fuck. By definition of the question, I'm probably Return of the King. In a stunningly boring film bro-y answer, but ultimately... Film bro.
1: <laughs> I think that's got to be a new thing. And you know, I want to talk about Fire Club, which is the third adventure film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: um, ultimately, my favourite movie hasn't changed since I was five years old. It's Return of the Jedi. Fucking Ewoks rules. Return of the Jedi. On, I-, I knew that was... Yeah, I could have made a bet on that, that that would be yours. Yeah. <laughs> Obvious
1: i'm the same as you man return of the jedi is probably my favorite third film in a franchise in terms of honorable mentions we will we'll, we'll throw out a couple that we will enjoy but i mean my two would probably be logan absolutely love that considering how abysmal the first wolverine was and the second one was pretty average and then um and then i've oh, got to give taika waititi a lot of love and piss off tofa by mentioning mcu film i'll go for ragnarok absolutely love for ragnarok it's brilliant it's great it's awesome not to mention infinity war that one's movie is amazing as well. And and Captain America: Civil War. Shall I keep going, Toif? Uh, you done yet? Iron Man three. That's just- pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> then none
0: of them are none of them are proper trilogies. They're just all episodic, throwaway bits of entertainment. Sam.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> the hell I'll stand on and fight on. I don't give a shit. I fucking love them.
0: <laughs> Actually, I really like Ragnarok. Like, I don't think it's utterly exceptional, but I think it's a lot
1: of fun. Considering how abysmal, well, not abysmal, but considering how average the first two films are, to actually take the character and do something fun with him and unique and interesting, yeah. Do you want said, hear a good story like,
0: about the Dark World?
1: Yeah, sure. We
0: came out of that film and Billy was like, yeah, that was better than the first one. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me. That sounds, I don't remember it. Did we see that together? We did. You did the same thing with Age of Ultron. <laughs> the, oh, words, no. <laughs> the words like me <laughs> yeah, that, the first one came out of your mouth
1: you know billy someone's been listening to this podcast and it's been like the whole time like yeah billy's giving some good answers and now you've just completely lost them you know that eh? <laughs> just like...
0: yeah but I, yeah but i got like four other people on my side <laughs> <laughs> the dark world fan club they, what they lack in numbers they make <laughs> up for in
1: fervor <laughs> uh what about you guys what about our, on, honorable mentions revenge of the sith is a film yep. i mean Oh, that's definitely a film involving the high ground
0: <laughs> but it's the it's the it's the best of those yeah, three it I is think. that it is it's like one of the i mean there can't be is there a single other one where where the third is so far in front of the first two
1: maybe godfather <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's going back the other way sorry yeah, yeah like
0: it's not it's not a great film but it it does greatly suffer from the fact that it gets compared to like two of the five greatest films of all time, and obviously yeah. Sofia Coppola's performance in it is a train wreck. Yeah, less said about that, the better. Prisoner of Azkaban is probably the best Harry Potter yeah. movie. That's the third yep, one. True.
1: Have you guys seen the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight trilogy? Yeah, really good film. But, but the first two are great. Well, that's the thing. Like
0: the first two are both in my top twenty of all time, easily. Yeah, yeah no, that's the films. kind of movie you liked when you were a teenager, Billy. Really exactly it is yes. now it's the dark world <laughs> now it's the dark world in age of ultron
1: what happened to you
0: billy i know <laughs> right
1: <laughs> anywho that's enough out of us let's go over to twitter and listen to your guys answers and judge them accordingly first up Stacey Hewlett. oh god not here again uh for ragnarok i'm sure tara Maholic agrees and then she just posted a gif of chris hemsworth with no top on yes i'm not oh. going through all this bullshit again and tara Maholic agreed uh, Emily Higgins from the aforementioned Tasteless podcast said, Iron Man 3, come on, Emily. Poison Ivy oh. 3, come on, Emily. Uh, and Purge Election Year is my favorite of the Well, come on, Emily.
0: <laughs> she should just rename her show, Come <laughs> yeah, On, Emily. Come
1: on, Emily.
0: <laughs> just, as, just as a little reminder to herself. Emily, whenever you think something, just think afterwards, Come yeah. On, Emily. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Ems. Uh, Paul from the Countdown podcast, another awesome podcast you guys should all go check out. He said, John Wick 3, there you go, uh, Toph. Indian Jones nope. in The Last Crusade. <laughs> Good old yeah, Indian. Yeah, no, Last Crusade is awesome. Yeah, Last Crusade is awesome. And he also mentioned Alien 3. Yeah, I said it and I regret nothing. I think Paul was drunk when he wrote this because Alien 3 is garbage.
0: I'm, I'm with Paul here. I'm, I'm an Alien 3 apologist
1: all the way. Billy, uh, I'm just going to say that uh, your comments about Four Dark World and (laughs) Age of Ultron have just been upstaged (laughs) by saying Alien 3 is a good
0: film. It is, for me, without question, Sigourney Weaver's finest performance in the franchise.
1: Listeners, you're lucky the podcast isn't, uh, (laughs) you can't smell these podcasts because, quote, at the moment my brain is burning (laughs) and I think I'm having a stroke. Uh, Brad from the Cinema Guys said, John Wick 3... Steve, from everything I learned from movies, podcasts, and awesome podcasts you guys should all go check out. went with Halloween three season of the witch, Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, and Nathan's Gun Putin third. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Lazerman replied, I second Last Crusade, but Tokyo Drift, question <laughs> mark. Kind of agree. Uh, Duty from the Shaken Not Nerd, who was on recently to do point break and was being on the movie mass debates with us. Also went with Return of the Jedi, the best Star Wars film, according to him. Empire, yeah, Duty Bad but... Duty!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ewok Life! Ala Yini Silvermist went with Return of the King, John Wick Parabellum, and Four Ragnarok. Hell yes, good answers. Renegade went with Return of the Jedi. Yes, Jedi keeps coming up and I love it. Sin Explorers went with Army of Darkness. There's something new, there's a different one. This is my boomstick. Toph is currently taking off his clothes. Uh, <laughs> Wizard Mario went with Return of the Jedi. Not a good answer. Glenn McGregor went with Avengers Infinity War. I oh, love you, Glenn. Uh, Dylan Knows said that That's he has a soft spot for Return of the Jedi, Indiana film. Jones, and Last Crusade. Uh, what's that? I said. Ooh, that oh, He's oh, 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 cheating and also
0: not a particularly good
1: film. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Uh, Dylan then Knows says, game, I though. have a soft spot for. Are <laughs> you, motherfucker? Billy, is Infinity War not a better
0: film than Endgame? I'm going to learn how to phase through a screen and yeah, punch Infinity someone War in. is a million times better than Endgame. I mean, okay, that was good measured response. Yeah. <laughs> One million times better.
1: <laughs> okay, not a million times better. Don't listen to these motherfuckers. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Moves me over to Qui-Gon Glynn. He said, I watched this last night, but third movie in the trilogy-wise, I'm going to go with back to the future part three interesting so it is it's a favorite movie from the back to the future trilogy oh that's i thought you know you do you you. uh holmes movies also went with that with back to the future 3 uh hold on to your seats because shishi hashtag disrain went with mad max 3
0: (laughs) wow (laughs) two men enter one man leaves
1: (laughs) uh the Nomcast went with indiana jones and last crusade Ronnie Castle threw a ton at us, Return of the Jedi, Logan, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, Dark Knight Rises, interesting. Toy Story 3, yeah, get that. Uh, Infinity War and Civil War, agree with those ones, obviously. Word Cellar Radio, Last Crusade, Toy Story 3, Captain America, Civil War, Logan, and Rocky 3. <laughs> Mr. T, <laughs> yes. Is there the one of Hulk Hogan in as well?
0: Oh, is Hulk at the beginning of 3 I can't remember, four? and he
1: plays Thunderlips. I can't, or, I can't remember. Yeah. Passy Vitale said A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 to comics sir john said phantasm 3 james finneran just said mission impossible and the born series uh the good evening kitties podcast went with resident evil extinction ian wilson said the last crusade the last couple uh matthew m went with how to train your dragon the hidden world uh colby mack said a nightmare on elm street 3 dream warriors as well and then quickly sort of um, backtracked on that and said, actually, no, John Wick 3. So got on your Colby, managed to get in there. And finally, our good friend Julio from The Contrarians went with a better Samuel L. Jackson film, Avengers Infinity War. There you go, Toph. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Toy Story 3 is an edge. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of Toy Story. That's, that's a good shout. I think, I think Billy both think 2 is better than 3. I, yeah,
1: I think that 2 is the strongest. Toy Story yeah. 2 is a yep.
0: nigh-on perfect film. It really is. 3 three is yep. still very, very good.
1: Fun Love piece it. of trivia about Toy Story 2, because I'm never going to get another chance to mention this, but did you know Toy Story 2 uh, was actually almost completely deleted? So they got deleted off the um, Pixar hard drives and everything <laughs> like that, but there's somebody had taken home a version of the film on their laptop and had basically a backup copy saved on their laptop and then brought it to work when it was like about 90% done or something like that.
0: Jesus. Wow. There was a, a TV station that Billy and I used to work at. Somebody once, like, formatted the system effectively, and there was every <laughs> year at the Christmas party, there was an award named after this person as to who'd had the biggest <laughs> cock-up of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just the rubbish we produced. Imagine deleting Toy Story 2. <laughs> oh, was that the Billy D Award? <laughs> no. <laughs> They named it after the originator, not the person who won it the most. Come on, Sam.
1: (laughs) Cool. And that takes us down to the end. Yeah, some great answers from our dear listeners. Thank you, everyone, for contributing. We love it when we hear from you guys. Um, And also loved having Liz goes on. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about this film. Thanks Thanks for having us, Sam. This was a blast. blast. Absolutely. So what are we doing next week, buddy? (laughs) Can we talk about the score? stop stealing my catchphrase. I had a Billy Bingo in front of me Billy and I'm trying to get through the last ones we've done tall Woman, but uh, yeah um, anyway why don't you guys tell us about your podcast tell us how awesome it is and all that sort of fun stuff
0: uh, We Watched a Thing that is that's our podcast um, a podcast where a, uh, an animator editor effectsy type person that is Billy and a camera and lighting person that is me uh, talk about one film a week uh, it used to be mostly new releases. Right now, not so much.
1: Funny that, eh? <laughs> um, so, yeah, where can people find you guys, Billy? I'm going to get Billy to do it because the one time I heard Topher try and do it, it was abysmal. So
0: <laughs> I'm all over it. <laughs> you know nothing, mate. You know nothing, Jon Snow. We, uh, You can find us pretty much everywhere. If you're listening to this, you can find us on the same platform. We're on everything at We Watch The Thing. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all under the handle We Watch The Thing and we are at watch thing at gmail.com see yep yep I got you this. know you know it <laughs> someone's been practicing
1: <laughs> anywho yeah that takes us down to the ends if you'd like to get in contact with us you can find us at um, mostly on twitter at movie reviews in we also have a facebook page at uh, movie reviews and 20qs or send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com upcoming episodes absolutely no idea we are open to suggestions as we yeah deal with this whole like no new releases Although we will be doing an episode on Space Force, which is coming out on Netflix pretty soon and might be funny, might not. Who knows? We'll see. Anywho, that is things from me. Catches. (laughs) See ya.
0: Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual
0: live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world.
1: We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute.
0: Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.